I like Mercy as well. <laughs> and just so I'm not too agreeable, Connor, your face is dumb. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Not uh yours. <laughs> dude, we dove into some heavy stuff today. <laughs> Probably none of it usable. Did y'all see any of that coming? Nope. No. I didn't either. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I was back in Springfield this past weekend for the um, ordinations for our transitional deacons for next year, which is great. We had a couple really great guys get get ordained um oh real quick had to give a shout out to old md quick oh, <laughs> who's been hey. listening to us just because i told told him i would nice and uh anyway not the point of the story <laughs> but in the homily <clears throat> bishop Paprocki, um it wasn't like the the main focus of his homily or anything like that but <clears throat> he was talking to these men to be ordained transitional deacons will be priests in about a year and he talked about the importance of thinking with the church. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I don't know the exact like wording he used, if it was like hearing the church or thinking with the church or like when they speak to speak with the church. Sentir con la iglesia. Yeah. In Spanish. That's, I think, to feel with the church. That's Oscar Romero's favorite, uh, famous line. He used, what's the Latin then for it? You know, mm, I don't know, probably Centuria cum Ecclesia. Or Maybe, something. yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, um, but that notion has really kind of been big for me, like the past couple couple days. And like we've talked about this before, of feeling very blessed to be around here and to be around like Father Baron, and just like when you're around men or women that like really have a handle and can speak with clarity and have like a pulse of what the church is saying um how important that is but how transformational that is so i just wanted to kind of throw that out there um do you guys know what i'm saying with like the pulse of the church and like what the church is asking of the people right now you have an example um I think of what you gave a Dr. Levering example was the first time that yeah well that same that same example of the life giving nature of the church right and so directed towards the avenue of life you sure. know, if you're receiving the spirit um yeah Dr. Levering it, it was you might have even been in this class but I heard it from another guy I was talking about like how he has a tremendous amount of respect for a certain theologian that used to be taught a lot in seminaries. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, he was like, this, this guy is a legit genius and he's a tremendous theologian and a faithful Catholic. He was, the guy was a priest, the theologian. Um, but he said, I'm not going to have you read this theologian because that doesn't bring life. And I'm like, I am going to have you read these theologians because from what i can tell they bring life to the study of theology mm. and even like i've noticed it um just like the pulse of the church I and mean, obviously we're in the year of mercy um but like you just kind of feel it like when you're around these guys kind of being immersed here with father baron and even mm -hmm. like cardinal george his influence and the other um kind of great figures we're able to be around like 
that pulse of the church being mercy. Like mm-hmm. right now in this moment of history, I think you told me, what was the Chesterton image of the chariot like flying through the, the centuries? Have you told me that? Mm-mm. Maybe it was Scott. Um, talked about Chesterton uses this image where the, the church itself is like a chariot being, and like the driver is the Holy Spirit. And it races through like the ages. And at certain points, it tilts like, to one way or the other, like maybe an emphasis, you know, to the left or to the right or on one certain thing or another certain thing. And like, sometimes it almost tips, but like through that driver, the Holy spirit, it's able not to. Hmm. And so you have, um, it kind of like just, you know, throws out the, the notion of like, well, I'm a conservative Catholic or I'm a liberal Catholic or, you know, just kind of the, the garbage that that is. It's like, what is the church? right now saying and Mm -hmm. yeah maybe in 200 years um we'll look back and say that's not what we need right now yeah and Mm -hmm. and it it might it'll probably be different in 200 years of what not to say that the doctrines change we believe what we believe right but yeah the expression of it or the emphasis Mm -hmm. or or whatever is different in different ages right exactly and um i mean it's a big it's a big topic but um just that notion of of mercy seems to be like over and over again. Yeah, I think what that, we hear. So, what I hear you saying is that okay, mercy is sort of the word of the day, <clears throat> not just the Pope, but all over. I think Dolan said a few years ago at uh, whatever gathering the USCCB had with all the bishops, he was talking about that the sacrament of penance is the sacrament of the new evangelization mm-hmm. um, because. All our people, you know, where Francis Xavier baptized supposedly hundreds of hundred thousand people or whatever in India and China, mm-hmm. um, baptism was the sacrament of the evangelization of those countries because they weren't Christian. Right. But the new evangelization is the same evangelization, same announcement, announcement of the same gospel, but to people who live in post-Christian countries, mm-hmm. who many of whom are baptized, but not converted. Uh, and so they they have the grace of baptism, they have the Holy Spirit, but uh, ha- it hasn't been unleashed in any way because, either because they don't know who Jesus is, um, they, you know, they haven't been catechized, or the gospel just hasn't been proclaimed in a way that's compelling enough that they would conform their lives, that they would actually become disciples, take up a cross and follow Jesus. So they need to um, be invited back in a way, not not for the first time, but you know, a lot of people you hear just say like, "Oh, I'm a, I know what the Catholic Church is all about. I was raised Catholic, and you know, I just don't have time for all those rules. And what's the deal with no women priests and no gay marriage? And they just seem so out of touch with where the culture is going. And if they caught up, maybe I'd be interested. But blah blah blah, you know, no recognition of the church's unique message that it's you know the culture doesn't dictate mm-hmm. what's true. Um, you know, because as Cardinal George told us, when the culture diverges from um, the church or when the culture diverges from the the gospel, most people will go with the culture mm-hmm. because we're cultural beings. We're, you know, you imbibe a culture like you drink water. You know, it's just, it's just what, I mean, none of us can separate ourselves from the culture and say, I am not an American or I am not. Um, an English-speaking person, you know, you're totally conditioned by uh, 
your social matrix, you know, all of the things, the communication and everything. I guess the reason mercy is so important right now is because um, if you go in with guns blazing and say, you're wrong, you know, the church is right and you're wrong. And this is why. And here's my apologetic list of, of why I'm right and you're wrong about these things. Like no one will listen to you mm-hmm. because most people, as I said, have gone with the culture and think this is what's right and you guys need to catch up to us. Um, but as Father de Gaulle once said, when we asked him, have I mentioned this? When we asked him, you know, why are these German theologians that had written to the Pope, to Pope Benedict years ago, about how the church needs to change their teachings on all these sexuality things and uh, morals. Uh, they need to catch up with the times, and until then we can't, you know, subscribe to the magisterium of the church until it, it rights the, the wrongs, you know. Why are they so caught up with all these issues? And Father de Gaulle just pensively said, yes, I think it's because they have not experienced the mercy of God. Hmm. I thought that's a really good insight. I've thought about that a lot since he said that. Um, That most people, when it got right down to it, if you said, hey, I know you've done some things that the church says is wrong, but it's okay. You know? And I can give you a clean slate. And you can start new if you want to. I'm not saying you have to. Mm -hmm. I'm inviting you to consider that not everything you've ever done that you're not right about everything. Because that's, that's something that the culture, and you see this with the yelling and the news and all this like stuff on Twitter and you know just people thinking, you're like not listening to the other side because they're bigots or they're idiots or who, you know. Is that like, hey, you can consider being wrong or having done wrong and it being okay. The difference between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Guilt meaning I did something bad. Shame meaning I am bad. You know, you are not everything that you've done. And that word is so powerful. It was for me, at least. I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know it was for me. That <clears throat> I knew there was stuff that I was doing that was wrong. And when a priest said, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I felt it. That now I have a chance. Like God, God has given me a chance to really do the right thing, which I guess I knew deep down all the time because of this feeling of shame or guilt or, or whatever. But I wasn't willing to countenance until I could have that wiped away. And so this sentir con la iglesia, the, the thinking with the church now, what you're saying about theology that gives life or even pastoral practice that gives life mm-hmm. um, is a good root. I think of like like a river, you know, that the, the Holy Spirit moves through the church like a river. Yeah. And... You can either paddle against it or you can paddle with it, you know. And if you paddle with the stream, like if, you, if you're if you pushing your paddle back up against the stream, it's pushing against this water and propelling you forward, you know. But you can try your darndest to paddle up the stream or side stream, but you're going to get carried away by it um, and you, or you can get lost or drowned. I, I was once with a, uh, a priest in a parish that shall remain nameless. And I was walking to the rectory with him and this kid, and his friend were playing football in the parking lot, and the ball had gone in the bushes. And uh, the kid kind of traipsed very gingerly through the bushes to get the football. And the priest just caught him like red-handed, walking through his hedge or whatever, and just dressed him down right in front of me, in front of his friend, just like 
do you know what kind of bushes those are? And they're very delicate and all this stuff and they cost a lot of money. Don't be doing that. Like think before you act, you know, just making him feel so ashamed of himself for going and getting his ball, which I mean, I could tell by the way he was walking that he was trying not to do any damage to the bushes. It wasn't like he was being thoughtless, but when he saw the priest, he was just like, Oh, caught red handed. And as we're walking into the, the rectory, the priest turns to me and he says, well, thank God he's not one of ours. Meaning, I found out that he didn't go to the school. And I thought, that is not, I didn't think of it in these, these terms, but now I can say that's not thinking with the church, at least at this moment. Right. There's no us and them. There's no ours. You know, because all of the, that kid, just like everybody in your church, is on the edge, man. Almost everybody in the pews is like close to leaving or thinking about thinking about it you know like the just give me a reason to stay not to mention the millions of catholics that haven't darkened the door of a church in years yeah you know um that attitude of like uh we have hours that we take care of and then the rest you know and i thought this kid is like that's a memory of a priest that's going to stay in his mind for so long you know and maybe it was the it was a bad day for the priest or he was hungry or angry, lonely or tired or whatever. But my point is that like I look at as a priest, I look at everyone Catholic, non-Catholic as a potential member of the flock, you know, and all it's going to take is for me to love them and, and to tell them what I just said, like, Hey, I'm not going to tell you everything that you've done. My loving you doesn't mean I'm going to tell you everything you've ever done is good. But I will tell you that you are good and you can do better just like I can. And God forgives you and he loves you. And that, that is to me the theology, the pastoral practice that gives life, at least at this moment. If not ever, you know, I'm saying especially at this moment. Yeah, no, that sums it up well. I mean, I go back to... It's been cool to think about this the past couple of days, but I think one of the biggest graces I've ever been given by God um, came, honestly, when I was in college, when I was at U of I. And it just threw, uh, I mean, circumstances that were throughout my whole life in that, like, you know, grew up, um, I wasn't baptized until I was a little bit older. I was eight, but like, we always had great experiences with the church. Like, we liked and respected the priests that we grew up with and um, then I got to U of I and kind of had this transformational experience when my faith became my own. And it finally clicked with me, probably like my junior year at Illinois, that I can trust like what the church is saying, even if I don't understand it all. Like, and that was, that was, I say that as a grace because I know some people really, really struggle with things that the church says. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that, that's something that I want for other people because when you can like you've been given a grace to hear what the church is saying and i 100 percent believe this like even with its failings and the failings of people like within the church the church has like the remedy the medicine mm-hmm. that the world needs at every point like every point in history god answers with catholic saints mm-hmm. and you look and that's why they're the, the most diverse group of people in the history of the world from slaves that had nothing their whole lives to the like great Kings and Queens of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, All can be numbered among the Catholic saints. But what you said 
honestly, I don't have anything else to add to it because I thought it was so spot on of like what the church is saying that the world needs right now, that word of mercy that, yeah, we can't tell you like go and do whatever you want, whenever you want or anything like that. And there's things that we are going to hold to as being truth, but you are good. And like we can reckon, you can reconcile with God. He holds out to you for that. Um, like it's just an ointment for like the hurt in the world right now. And mm-hmm. I know that because of how it speaks to my own heart, like through my own sins and things that I've experienced and seeing it transform other people um, is electric. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought you summed it up really, really beautifully. And another thing. Yeah, one thing that, and it, especially as you look throughout the history of the church and you see the different words of the day, I like that. Uh, you know, word of the century would probably be more appropriate right. for the church or whatever. Um, it's not, it's very important to remember that it's not a marketing campaign. Right. Like, we're not just saying, hey, mercy, because, like, right. it's the cool thing now to accept people for who they are. Mm-hmm. The church has always said that. Mm-hmm. Right. When right. the culture has said no, the church has said, yeah, you're made good. And God is infinitely loving and infinitely merciful. It's at this time, in particular right now, the emphasis is placed on mercy, on mercy, not because we want to get people in the door, which mm-hmm. is, is great if that happens. Don't get me wrong. We're not trying to kick people out or keep, keep people away. But we're saying that mercy is the word of the day for the good of the people, for the good of the people of God, for the good of humanity and all of creation, because that's what creation needs right now, not because that's what the church needs right now. And I think that's exactly Francis's point. Pope Francis's point is the church doesn't operate for her own sake. The church operates and exists for the sanctification of the people of God so that they can go to heaven, which means that we're not proclaiming mercy because the culture thinks that love and sweetness and accepting people for who they are is you know, cool for today. No, that's how it's always been. But that is the particular emphasis that is the remedy, like you're saying, the ointment, the salve that the world needs and the world feels. Mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, you. that's why I think when you really see someone who has received the mercy of God, the mercy of the church in a very surprising way, like just how in love, how deeply in love they are with that ointment mm-hmm. and how they're constantly trying to, you know, rub up against it, if you will. Like, give me some more of that because it is so soothing and it is so beautiful and so healing. Mm-hmm. But it's important to remember, it's not to get people in the doors. It's for the salvation and the sanctification of all people, of all creation. That's why the church operates. Right. And you said it really well, too, of like, this isn't like a change in teaching or anything like that, but it's like the Holy Spirit, I, I really think, has like manifested it as like, Right now, this is how this needs to be articulated to the world. Um, and, it, it, you know, it takes time, like, through our own failings. But I thought that was a really great point that you mm-hmm. made. You're very you complimentary I was, today, I, I thought it was a really good point Thanks, as well. Thanks, We're saying stuff really well. Dude, I am spot on. I thought, I thought of something real quick a while ago. Like, I mean, just to be honest, I think one of the most neuralgic issues right now with what we're talking about is the homosexuality issue. Sure. And... Um, why can't the church just say love is love? You know, they're in committed relationships are good people. And why are you saying that they're sinners and evil and, and everything like that? 
Uh, I think if there's one thing that's been helpful about this whole discussion and cultural shift um, toward an approbation and acceptance of, of the gay lifestyle and saying, you know, this is a, this is a good, a valid way of living your life and, and should be totally endorsed by every religion, every sector of society. Um, and like we stand up and say, Hey, you know, not everything, not every way of expressing your sexuality is helpful for human flourishing. And we will stand by that statement that, that human nature is a thing, that gender means something, um, that God has a plan for every aspect of our lives. And if we want to be fully happy, then we have to respect it and, and live into God's will for ourselves. And, but they'll still respond, well, so, you know, God made me this way. Why do you hate me? Why did God make me this way if it's just I'm evil or a sinner? I think it's helpful that it's been exposed this way because honestly, like, I think this is true that many people maybe accepted the Christian understanding of sexuality with regards to this on the grounds that, yeah, homosexuals are evil or that that's a, you're just a gravely disordered person, you know, for having these urges or this attraction. Um, and that there's some, they somehow are second class citizens. And that's an experience that, uh, many gay people even to today have that they feel treated particularly by Christians as um, less or um, somehow like more corrupted or evil than the average person who is also a sinner, you know, that somehow their sin is deeper or, or whatever, or touches more on their identity and core, which is, I think the main thing, you know, this, this is not sexual preference or orientation. It's my sexual identity. That, that language of identity is used a lot. So if it's, if anything has been helpful about this discussion, it's, it's an unmasking of that. That Catholicism, our, our faith doesn't say that the person is evil, you know? And if you believe that homosexuality is, is disordered because homosexuals are disordered or they're evil, then yeah, you're wrong, right? Because they're not. Um, back to what we were saying, like, y- you are a good person. God doesn't make junk. You have an attraction to the same sex. That doesn't make you bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you this, that not everything that we do with our bodies is good. Not every form of sexual expression will make you happy and ask anybody who's, you know, been in like a one night stand or, you know, a date rape situation or, you know, like just the hookup culture in general and the emptiness of, of that non-committed sex and how much shame and guilt can grow up around that. Even if you don't subscribe to the Christian belief about sex, that, that it just makes you feel or, or people in pornography um, that, that let themselves be used as objects and, and looked at in these, uh, really possessive or aggressive and, um, in these ways that make them less than human. Ask them if everything that they do with their sexuality fulfills them, you know? And like, it's, it's not a matter of denigrating you as a person. It's a matter of, um, standing up for you, you know? 
against a culture that will just tell you, don't think about it. Just do it. This is who you are, you know? Like, if I if I have one message to, to tell anyone who is open enough to tell me that they have same-sex attraction, it's to not let anyone label you as a lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender or any of these endless categories that we're trying to, to put people in uh, so that they can feel accepted because they're normal. They're part of some kind of community or some kind of identity. Your identity is not rooted in that. Your identity is rooted uh, in your goodness as a creature of God and in your baptism as a son or a daughter of God and live into that identity for God's sake, you know? Um, and, know that you're all right. But I mean, as I said, this is not the general attitude, I think, of most Christians, and which is why this has become such a neuralgic debate and why people assume that if you say anything bad about anyone else with regards to this, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe or whatever. And normally we don't talk about super hot button issues, but I Mm -hmm. think that this is important considering the Pope's message about mercy, because what people are hearing, a lot of people out there are hearing when the Pope says mercy is oh, he's finally going to say that it's okay to get divorced and remarried or it's okay to be in a, in a gay uh, relationship. Um, that's not mercy. Mercy is not saying you've never done anything wrong. Mercy is saying, hey, you've done wrong, but it's okay. Let me give you a hug. It's all fine. You know, like you're forgiven. But there can be no mercy if there's no guilt. You know, if there's nothing, if there's no sin, what does mercy mean? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if I said that well, but. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was going to bring up a different point, but that certainly is something that's a, a deeper identity to it. Then again, like what you're saying that we can just label ourselves with very, really very specific communities mm-hmm. to have a feeling of inclusivity, but there's a bigger broader community that you're already a part of Mm -hmm. and that's the whole point is that you don't even have to earn anything to be a part of this community Mm -hmm. by the very nature of your existence you are good which is a statement about you but it's also a statement about god our creator because you're made in his image and likeness so for me to say anything other than that is to really make a statement about the all good and loving god who made you in his image and likeness which Mm -hmm. means you are good to your core to your very being something that you can't escape and you can't get out of, which is an identity that's way deeper than your sexual orientation or whatever, X, Y, or Z, you know? Um, But it's the only way that I think you can say you have a pulse on the church or you have um, the church is speaking a word of mercy is, and Father Barron talked a little bit about it at his Sunday homily, is the church has to be a living thing Mm-hmm. to be able to say it has a pulse, to be able to say it can speak a word, to be able to say that it can provide an ointment or an mm-hmm. aloe for you, which is exactly what we say the church is, which n- like nothing else in the entire world, the church is a living organism. It is actually a mystical body that you can put your hand on and you can feel and you can be a part of and you can feel the heartbeat. You can feel the pulse within the mystical body. Which is something that, you know, to, I guess, come full circle to your beginning point, is something that allows us to sit as members through the grace of God of this body. And we can say mercy is the word of the day, because I think all three of us personally have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we can speak from the body. Right. And you, particularly from the head, because the church is 
made up of its members mm-hmm. and is an actual living being. Yeah. And one point, this just kind of stuck out to me, a, a kind of a opportunity for clarity, because I, I think what you said was spot on. Mm-hmm. But just to make sure no one is hearing what we're not saying, and we're not saying, um, you know, a homosexual relationship is the same as someone going out and getting in a one night stand right. or pornography or anything. That, that's not mm-hmm. at all what we're saying. I think the point you were trying to make there was that, um, like, we can see that it is possible that, like, um, we can do things that aren't right, you mm-hmm. know, like, incorrectly or however you want to, um, to word, especially when it comes to, um, like, our uh, sexual integration and thing and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, just wanted to throw that out there as, as hopefully a, a clarifying um statement but but i think you know we're sitting here and you know maybe like maybe this will reach someone with um who's even been living a very active um lifestyle in in any way that's like counter to what the church teaches in any in any sense but i think what you were saying that i definitely related to was that like we're sitting here as sinners who have like received god's mercy and um and like are in constant need of god's mercy and like that's what we earnestly want other people to receive in whatever like capacity they need to Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't be a priest today if i hadn't had an experience of god's mercy in confession and wanted to give that to other people i probably wouldn't be a catholic Mm -hmm. to be completely honest um had I not had that experience specifically in a confession of God's mercy. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.